welcome to the Breath of Fresh Tea podcast. Welcome everyone to um, a Breath of Fresh Tea episode three. We have Dr. Ollie, our Hi. Jen, and Hello. our say Muffin Cow, Leon. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, how is everyone today? What have you been doing today specifically? Because it's been quite nice. Ollie. Uh, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, got up and went and did my, well, not, I suppose walking is technically exercise, but went for a walk slash cycle. Um, and then just watched RuPaul and now doing this. So nothing too, too exciting. Been hectic for today. Well, we're going to come on to RuPaul um, on today's episode, so thankfully you watched it. Uh, Jay, how's your day been? How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's been a very lazy day for me. I've actually uh, had a bit of a lion. Um, even though it's nice outside as well, I've, 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 I've got a new strategy for, for lockdown, and that's actually not embracing going outside. Um, so I feel like it doesn't do me any good. I'm just a bit like, I'm in this for the long haul, so just... What's the point in going outside? When I could go back outside, I'll just go outside. So I'm just going to stay in uh, until uh, absolutely necessary. Um, that might be for exercise. It might be for food. But yeah, I'm not really into walks and uh, aimless um, outside situations at the moment. <laughs> I do like this approach, you know. It's quite different. You're in the acceptance phase. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's important because it, it just makes me depressed. I'm just like, okay, I go outside. No one's going to be out there. It's going to be great weather. I can't actually do anything. So until I could actually do something that I want to do outside, just stay indoors. Okay, okay. And Leon, what have you been doing? Um, well, I can't say you, so... <laughs> well, you can say him. <laughs> um, no, stupidly, I went for a, a run this morning, just like to blow off the cobwebs, and then we decided to go cycling and did like 14 miles after that. Um, we went to Catford to see the cat because uh, Cal wanted to see the big cat. I've never seen the cat of Catford before. And Wait, there's a cat of Catford? Yeah. yeah there. Big old cat that looks down on you as you enter the Catford shopping centre. Um, and that's where we'll probably leave it because it's not exciting. But I won't go back. Um, I mean, the exercise was worth it just to get out because there's like hardly anyone on the roads. And yeah. But yeah, there was hills for days flying around. Um, yeah, it was good. It was nice to be out because it has been such a, a nice day. So that's what we've been doing today. Mm-hmm. So, Ollie, you have watched RuPaul only just. Yeah. Um, to, um, so that is our first topic of the com- uh, topic of the day. Um, RuPaul. Hold on. Has Jay watched it? Are you up to date? I have. Yeah. Um, I've been like, obviously, during this time, there's nothing to do. So I've been on, on, on Twitter religiously. And unless I watch it like off the bat, I'm always getting spoilers. So I'm just trying to watch it as early, early as possible. Oh, yeah, spoilers. Fair enough. It's a different approach to what I take. I mean, I was enforced to to make sure I got it done before um, for today. Normally, I just have to mute Girl Gang and just uh, the WhatsApp group and just make sure that, you know, don't get any spoilers through that. It's Instagram for me because I follow RuPaul's Drag Race on Instagram and they do sometimes put 54321 spoiler on it. But um, sometimes it's not. Or people, celebrities that you follow, like Leslie Jones, I recently followed because she was a guest judging it once. And she just goes, who's gone? What's gone on? And just, yeah, spoils it for everyone. Leslie Jones is the best. She's the best judge I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. 
So what are we thinking of um, this season so far in Drag Race? Muffin, Leon. Me? Um, I'm, I mean, I do enjoy Drag Race. I'm not the most religious, but I think I'm in love with Heidi, or Heidi in Closet. Um, I think it's the Southern accent as well that just, the delivery of anything. And the like, whistle through her. He says the whistle. Just, oh. just cracks me up. <laughs> we were crying with laughter at this recent episode that they did their advert. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, she... <laughs> she literally had us on the floor. I, I've, no, I've not seen Leon cry from Drag Race, to be honest, and that was a that was a good moment. <laughs> no, I loved it actually. What about you guys? Yeah, um, I, I thought it was really good. I think the whole series so far has been really good. Like, I thought the last two episodes were like really funny, and so I imagined that this one might be a bit of a. There normally seems to be a few where you're like, yeah, I'm not too sure about it. I kind of thought that that was going to be this episode after having two good ones, but no, it's, yeah, it cracked me up. It was good. Who are your favourites? Um, well, to be honest, like after last week or the week before, I was quite here for Jan, but then after this week, I was like, not here for Jan. And then i <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jan ain't here anymore, so that's fine. But I like um, Crystal Method because um, her mullet is just amazing. Um, and also, I think Jackie Cox came across really well in this episode as well. And her her voice is just like it's so soft and relaxing. And like, yeah. It's... <laughs> a lot of people Oh yeah, Crystal Method. She's like, she's coming into her own. She's embracing the mullet because she has it. But like RuPaul is just saying, "Own it, girl. That's your mullet." And she's a she's a dark horse, you know. Yeah, I think so. I'm not really into her drag too much, but. Um, yeah, I think she's she's definitely a, a good character, and, and the mullet seems to have taken over this season by the looks of it. <laughs> definitely a grower. Because I think, yeah, I wasn't here for um, Britta. I was quite happy that. Oh, from, I mean, it could yeah. have been clever editing, because you know how yeah. things can be manipulated. Yeah. But from what I saw, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't really here for it. Yeah, I did not like Britta at all. No, it's a bit intense. Intense, arrogant, dumb bitch. Don't, didn't like her. She was just too much. <laughs> <laughs> entertainment like in a shady bitch sense but um mm. she said you're welcome and thank god, thank god she's mm. <laughs> i'm gonna say something which might be a bit controversial now that i've just heard your guys opinions i'm actually yeah. um I, i'm still enjoying the season but it's not my favorite season of drag race that i've seen so far no which one's your favorite um so like similar to leon i love 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 yeah. heidi um i also like jada um and Gigi. I mean, Jada's drag is amazing. She looks absolutely stunning all the time. Um, Underrated queen this season. Like, she's not getting much recognition. And she's like, she was fierce in the musical where she did Justify My Love. That was like sex. Amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah, she was really good at that. Yeah. I think she could be another dark horse as well, to be honest. She's slowly like getting her props, but not actually winning, but like sailing through. And I think she's kind of, she might be one of those queens that kind of comes into to her own in the last sort of six weeks and then. Starts to win more challenges. Um, but I also like Gigi. I like Gigi's uh, outfits. I yeah, think, uh, always um, but overall, I'm, I'm enjoying the season. Um, I'm just not... Uh, I just don't think it's the best season so far. I feel like it's getting to the... It, to me, it's starting to feel as though it's a little bit too... Uh, not not staged. Well, yeah, staged. Um, and it's not as raw as previous seasons. And I'm not going to lie, I like a bit of mess as well, and it's not actually that messy. Although I haven't watched any of the Untucked. I've seen clips of that, and they do um, 
they throw shade harder back there, whereas the actual bit is edited to be, yeah, maybe like you are, maybe a bit more staged. Mm. They're all at such a level now as well. Like, I, that's why, like, I've, you know, the British one, although I suppose we get some of the cultural references a lot more, like, the fact that some of them were a little bit more rugged in their drag. Um, I don't know, like, the American, like, now, they're all just so pristine and, and on it. But it's like, yeah, it's a kind of different, different show to what it was, you know, in the earlier seasons. That's why I'm so thankful we've got the UK one because, like Jay said, that is pure mess. Mm. Like, <laughs> 10 out of the 12 queens were absolutely just disgustingly good. Yeah. Um, and don't, don't you think as well when it's a little wet, when the queens aren't as, like, staged or as polished, it kind of endears you to them a little bit more and you invest in their characters. At the moment, other than Heidi, I wouldn't say there's anyone on this season that I actually love and I, like, gravitate towards, and I actually feel like I know them in and out of drag. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, so you follow them on, like, maybe their Instagram accounts, that's when you get to know them a bit more real, and that's what I've done to, like you said, just get a bit more, get into them, to get to know them more, because mm. we can't do that with just 45 minutes of RuPaul. Mm. Who are your favourites, Martin? Um, yeah, definitely Heidi and Closet, like, last week and the week before. Like, I even liked the um, Madonna the musical bit, um, even though she didn't look like it, because that that bitch can dance. Yeah. Um, that was no Madonna, though. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that was, but that was no Madonna. <laughs> that was just Heidi just being herself. <laughs> Which I'm fine with. Yeah. Um, and I really like Jackie Clark. She's uh, funny. I like her Persian elements to it. And she kind of really opened up last week when uh, that, um, what's it, the woman from Congress was there. So, uh, yeah. yeah, she's nice. Get to know her more. So, definitely those two. So what's going to come on to next, though, um, was about UK season versus the USA. So, like you said, Jay, we got some mess there. Um, what else do we like from the UK season? Leon? Like throwing it to me. Um, I think it was a bit more down-to-earth. Um, maybe it was more relatable in terms of the comedy for like the UK side, just because you get more of the references. Um, personally, they seemed funnier to me, the UK Queens versus the US. Um, and there was less less of the drama. There was like a few feuds as well, but they seem more to just kind of, I don't know, maybe like classic cliche stereotype of stiff upper lip, just get on with it, get down to it. You know, whatever happens, happens really. I think that was my my take on it. I think um, after watching the UK season versus the US, yeah, I was leaning towards the UK. It just seemed a bit more real, more relatable. Um, I mean, I, I think I get all the USA references anyway, but... I think it just stirred up a little bit. It's nice with the UK one, so that we can get probably all the references and kind of all the um, different towns and how they speak and all of that accents. Mm-hmm. So, and that just made it more endearing and fun. I mean, the the judges as well were hilarious. Like some oh, of the Aaron Aaron Carr, Aaron Carr came from north, yeah. the estate agent. What about you guys? What are you saying, Jay? Uh, I've I I love. Uh, I love like the UK version. I, I've always been a, even after it ended, I, I really enjoyed it, but I've always preferred uh, the US one. Um, even though I preferred the U- last season's UK, the first season of UK one to this season of uh, the US one. Um, but yeah, I think it's been, it, it was awesome. And I think it was like one of those things where like the UK, like the UK's drag scene and drag, drag culture and drag fans have, have always existed and they've just never had that platform. And it's always kind of existed through, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race in the US so it's good that like the UK had the platform and 
and you got like all these queens who have been doing it for years who like only like three degrees of what one degree of separation through through like all of us or something and you could go down Soho and see them anyway. Um so I think it was good that they got that platform. Um and again like I think what was more fun about it was the fact that the, I felt like the whole country kind of rallied around it and everybody had the the experience of 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 US drag race in the UK. Yeah, even with their song, the the Frog Destroyers. Yeah. yeah. Um that, that <laughs> really yeah. yeah. And the game as well on the on the UK one was so good. Like they literally mm. killed it. Um and bag of chips doing um Maggie Thatcher and um the Vivian doing Donald Trump and they were just they were yeah. I mean they they were so talented and just I suppose a bit more raw than than the American ones. Yeah, I think I think the worst drag queens on the UK one though were probably some of the worst drag queens ever to take part <laughs> of the drag race ever. They gotta start low somewhere. <laughs> I'm not gonna name a shame, but I enjoyed that. There's something enjoyable about somebody whose drag isn't as polished and isn't as experienced. Because um, you got to start somewhere, haven't you? And, and and I enjoyed I enjoyed it for that. But yeah, it was there were some terrible, terrible drag queens on, on that show. <laughs> uh, so we'll finish on this segment, but just who was your favourite UK drag queen? We'll just go around. Ollie, who was your favourite? Vinegar Strokes, purely for the outfit and the newspaper. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I literally was in tears for that. And it's I've now got it as a gift, and it's one of my favourite gifts to, to draw. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Vinegar Strokes in Soho the week before we went into lockdown as well. Oh, my God. I would have to scream. <laughs> yeah, so here for Vinegar Strokes. I saw her in um, Everybody Loves Jamie. In there. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Loved her. Yeah, who's your favourite queen? Um, I, liked, I liked Vinegar. I also liked Something Wrong. Um, but my favourite probably ended up being... Um, I've got her name's... Who 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 came second again? What was her name? Davina. Davina. Yeah, I ended up liking Davina in the end. Um, so I have two, but for different reasons. So probably the best, and I thought probably should have one was Davina DeCampo, but going with Ollie, Vinegar Strokes, purely for that classic TV line. I didn't become a little yeah. slag. I became a, a toe cat slag. <laughs> probably about 80 times you've done more than that you've been on youtube you've clipped it shortened it (laughs) everything to it so it's gifts all sorts um and i've even listened to the drum and bass remix of that sound clip as well it's actually a tune it's a jungle jungle version of it we'll send that out (laughs) please And I can't believe none of you said cheryl hall so cheryl hall was like i really that doesn't surprise me i don't know why (laughs) He it was just Essex realness and just, yeah, it was hilarious. She didn't get a challenge win or a mini challenge win. She was just she was there for a good time. You're a little bit obsessed with the Essex accent anyway. So I don't know why I like it. Just I really like it. Um, yeah, I'm here for that in Birmingham. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the only person in the country. Anyway, so that's our drag race. Thanks for that. Um, next segment, we're going to move on to um, body image. Um, and just some things that maybe we might have experienced as pressure in the LGBT community. Um, so just, yeah, just give us your thoughts on, you know, how we are all, you know, with the body image in, in the community. Um, I mean, I think, I think there's definitely an inherent sort of 
pressure that you sometimes feel in the sort of um I mean I sort of speaking mainly from the gay community just that's just from my only experience obviously I have but you know you quite often see all these sort of models and and people in the gay community have got incredible physiques and you know very well put together and fashionable clothes and I think it does make you slightly more self-conscious um about your own image and I mean the dedication that people have to get in that kind of shape is just unbelievable um so it is you know it's uh, I mean it's a realistic target people can achieve it but it's like you know it's not easy and I think that can have a real impact on people's mental health um if they don't have like you know the perfect six pack and, and you know they see all these people sort of on like social media and things mm. and I think yeah it can have it can definitely have a negative impact on people what about you Jay? yeah I completely agree I think it's uh I think as a community we've got a lot of uh unhealthy uh, relationships with a lot of things um and this is definitely one of them like sort of kind of um the need to attain sometimes what is the unattainable and and how uh, the community projects what is attainable to the wider community and it, it definitely um causes a lot of mental health challenges to a lot of people um i think if you think about it as well um i don't know I, I hate going to the gym despite what a lot of people might think and despite me going three times a week um but because of those reasons because I, I sometimes catch myself um after going to the gym for a while um i've been going to the gym for years now but i sometimes catch myself having to stop myself thinking about what i should look like or what i want to look like or or, or wanting to look like other people that i see in the gym um and then when you go back to a community then who reject you for not looking a certain way or who celebrate others for looking a certain way it's difficult not to try and feel like you want to attain that right mm. um so i think yeah it's just, it's just one of those one of those things that that, that happens in the community and and it, it goes hand in hand with a lot, a lot of other um issues that we have and i think we just need to do a bit better with being kind to not just ourselves but to each other um and yeah i think that's probably my main takeaway from that i was saying have you ever been like um shamed for like body image in the past any age. Um, not, I mean, not massively. I, I think, I mean, I, I'm quite hairy um, and I know I've definitely been self-conscious about that and people have, have made off-the-cuff jokes. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I definitely, I think, you know, part of the sort of old cliche, of, you know, people who've had issues with their sexuality and things, they, they sometimes in later life will strive to, for like, overachievement or perfection in certain things because they want to sort of combat against feeling rejected or not feeling that they're good enough for something and and I think that definitely drives it um sometimes in the in the sort of LGBT community and people want to push themselves to to do more than others or um and I think I definitely probably caught myself at, at points I know there's a phase where I you know i lost a lot of weight quite quickly because I was quite self-conscious about my own body image and um, and I remember like um, I think it was my, my mum was just like I went home one weekend from being in London she was just like well you've like really lost weight quite quickly you don't look very healthy and uh, I think that was became an unhealthy um, sort of an obsession as such um, and it, I think it's quite easy to get drawn into that um, and but now I'm 
yeah, thankfully I feel much more comfortable with just how I am. I mean, I do exercise and, and try and, you know, keep myself in good shape more for sort of a sport and, and health reason rather than an aesthetic reason. Yeah. I think that's, a, that's an interesting point that you made as well, uh, Ollie. And if you think about like, if you go on any apps, the obsession with grouping people into how they, either how they look, how they present, how they like twinks, bears, and, and that's inherent within our community. And, and yeah. there's this obsession with that. And if you don't form into any of these labels, then, then what are you? Um, so you kind of see some people trying to shoehorn themselves into some labels. And, and that in itself is, is unhealthy because it doesn't allow or empower people to then just be themselves. Yeah. Um, and Leon, you'd understand this as well, and, and, and which is sort of hand in hand with kind of body issues and uh, the LGBT community, and particularly for people of color and, and, and some, as someone who's black, there's like, there's always been this kind of pressure or this hang up of, of being over sexualized for my body. And there's, there's been times where I, I'd not be able to go out into a club and, and some not have someone grope like my stomach or like fetishize me because of my, my body or, or, it's just like it's over over sexualization of, of people of color sometimes, and um, that goes hand in hand with, with kind of what the LGBT community kind of, or particularly gay community anyway, kind of see what's what's sexualized and, and what's unsexualized, and it, it kind of stops people from having a healthy relationship with their own uh, bodies and 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 their own sort of routines. No, I totally agree. I mean, um, in terms of like over sexualization of, of people of color, I think. Um, from experience of being on apps, I've had like, you know, you've not even really said hello, much more than hello, and it's, uh, uh, what ethnicity are you? Um, and not the questions leading up to that weren't um, innocent discovery. It was more of a, you know, I need to put you in a box where, uh, you know, someone said, are you black? And I was like, uh, no, mixed race. And they're like, okay, that's good. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> the last box and uh, other things like, the expectations of, uh, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're black, you're mixed race, you must have a massive cock or, which is, you know, people just try and put you, have preconceptions so they can put you into a box so they can try and work out how to stereotype you, which is massively sad. I think I've had like experiences where uh, when I first started playing for a gay football team uh, years ago, so, oh God, 10 years ago now, so that makes me feel really old. Um, I didn't really have much experience in uh, the gay community. And I went to a pub uh, in Richmond. Uh, I think it's the Richmond Arms. I think it's closed down now. And uh, there was like a topic of race going, nothing too serious. And a guy who I hadn't spoke to or didn't even know just come up to me because I've been outside the pub for like 15 minutes. And he rubbed his hand all the way down the back. He's going, oh, I've been waiting to do that to you since I saw you. Yeah. And uh, all the people around me were like, oh, you know, that it just happened. Uh, the people sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I'm going off a bit of a tangent here. I was like, that's not mm-hmm. acceptable. And I think people in the community have got that kind of story as well, where these things happen and it's like, oh, yes, you know, it just happens in the LGBTQ community, yeah. which is a bit mad. Yeah. But, um, the body image, I think it's because we're not in the mainstream. Um, if you're if you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, whatever, when you're growing up, because it's not the norm, you know, you're not, um, no one's really finding you attractive. So when you get to, you, you come into the LGBTQA community, um, suddenly there's loads of people like you. So you start to get that recognition. And I think all those issues where people haven't been validated in terms of their looks, um, you know, personalities or whatever, 
you, that's why you see so many first traps from people in the LGBT community because they're like, oh, I need to be validated because now there's people that find me attractive, yeah. whereas growing up, people would go. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on though. Um, yeah, there is a massive element of validation and and where people try and find that validation from, whether it's uh, from within the community or outside the community. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Leon. Yeah, Cal. Just to clarify, Cal is not for a, a body <laughs> image a tag or anything like that. It's a little nickname. What about you? Well, um, I, I have no cons of it, really. Like, you know, I am who I am. I, I only, like, work out for the enjoyment of it, really. So we're all sporty people, mm. so... Um, we try to keep active for our own sports and that's what keeps our stamina up mostly and to be good at your sport. So, um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm not a regular gym goer. I don't like the gym. Um, it just doesn't entertain me. So I try to do different sports as what I can because that's just more enjoyable for me. But, um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really noticed um, too much negativity in regards to being out So um, in, in clubs and stuff. And, all of that. So, um, yeah, for me, it's not too bad. So. Mm. I think also just to go back on Dave's point, I think um, when you're not accepted by the mainstream tickers, person of colour, I think you feel more pressure to be have that perfect body or present yourself in a certain way because you've not been accepted or appreciated. So, I think people probably just drive themselves to their like mental mm. limit. Like, well, I'm a six pack and I look like this and present myself in such a way. You know, I'll be yeah. accepted. Which, if online, like you just log onto Instagram or Twitter or whatever and see, you know, the kind of things that are on there, and you're like, it's mm. mad, really. Great for it sometimes as well. So. Yeah, I think there's a massive long history of 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 not just uh, not just queer people, but uh, the world policing um, P- POC bodies in general. Um, just going back to that gym, the, the gym element. I've actually got a funny, not a funny story, but I, one of my first jobs ever when I was like 16 uh, was working uh, for Fitness First and I was a fitness instructor. Um, and if anybody who knew me when I was 16, I was not a gym girl whatsoever. It was my first job. I was really like this scared, skinny little little guy. Um, and I was working in this jo- gym. It was a really, really huge, like nice gym. Um, it was like a black label Fitness First, like around all these muscle heads. Uh, and it was on... Um, uh, just off Gooch Street as well, so it's right by Tottenham, Tottenham Court Road. And at the time, I wasn't particularly out either. So, and I could understand, I, I clearly understood at the time that there was a very large proportion of of, of, of queer people at this gym. Uh, being really, really I scared, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. But like growing up now, and like I'm, I'm a little bit older, and I've I've been going to the gym for a while now. I look back and I'd be like, oh, I probably could, would have enjoyed that job way more now. Than <laughs> <I>. <laughs> That's only something I noticed actually. Like not too long ago, I went to um, a, a, an unnamed gym in Central London, but it was a lot quite thirsty on the eyes when you just go to the toilet and changing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> it's different. But yeah, like yeah, just noticing that type of thing. Oh, gyms are such a sauna oh, yeah. for all. Yeah, like we have some mutual friends that have uh, been to that gym that you're talking about, Jay. That I won't uh, name for shame. Um, <laughs> but this is. Interesting story. It's not filth or anything like that, but I think maybe we can uh, encourage them to submit it anonymously at some point. <laughs> That'd be um, but yeah, just going on to gyms, like, you know, once, uh, I mean, it took me a while, to, I was quite late to come out. And I think once my eyes were open to like 
what goes on in the LGBT community and how people would try and um, pick you up or tap you up or whatever. I mean, I used to be completely oblivious to it. So did you have any like particular experiences once you realised your sexuality and, you know, going into a place like a gym with kind of like a new set of eyes, perhaps, or if that makes sense? I think I've noticed it. I've definitely noticed it now I've, now I'm sort of out and a bit more aware of uh, the same as you. I came out relatively late and I don't think I was necessarily, yeah, I think I was a little bit innocent as to, yeah, I mean, just how people might get picked up. But I can sometimes see it now, like, you know, I go to a gym, which I won't name, but, um, you know, sometimes you see someone, you walk past and they're, they've been on their phone for ages and as you walk past, they're on Grindr. Um, and, you know, I think people might just go to the gym and turn on Grindr to, to pick people up in the gym. Um, there are certain people you can definitely sense that's maybe what they're there for rather than um <laughs> it's it's a bit of a breeding yeah. ground isn't it uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty uh pretty much a hot spot <laughs> for it um it can be quite intimidating because if you're not ready for it or you know if you're just having a day where you're feeling a bit self-conscious or whatever and you go to a place like that or you know, like Hoopla, for example, you can see people eye-fucking each other mm. left, right and centre or just really. if you're feeling like a bit insecure. Yeah, I think also, like, I mean, I mean I've, I've had a personal experience where I'm pretty sure there was someone who was semi-following me around the gym and trying to, like, make eyes and stuff. Um, and it actually made me feel really uncomfortable. And I, I sort of go to the gym as in a, like you know a, a sort of a, a bit of an escape after a busy day at work and you know or or before I go to work and I find it somewhere I can almost like zone out and just not really think about anything apart from just sort of exercising and it did actually make me feel quite uncomfortable and I think you know I'm you know, like you know in a relationship I feel comfortable with my sexuality but if you weren't something like that could really affect you and and you know I think I'm sure it happens um, obviously in the uh, sort of for a heterosexual community as well and you know that sort of unwanted attention when it's not you know something that someone's you bought on yourself or you know if you try to flirt with someone but if someone's just doing that to you it is you know it can make you feel really uncomfortable mm. oh thanks guys no that was um, a good talk about that um we'll move on to our questions um because we've got quite a few come through on the old curious cat um so i'll move over to leon he's got the questions for us and that's what have we got um so the first one is kind of a follow-up to the lgbt experience in sport last week so i think some of us were of the opinion that um if you're good at something and you come out as gay because you're good at that sport you kind of gain respect where some of us had the opposite opinion so we kind of had like a feedback piece from someone. Um, they said, basically, growing up, they were always one of the best at football. Um, they also played for a professional football team. They were on the books of the, I think it was the YTS scheme, um, or whatever the forms were back then. Um, but they said the second that they came out, it was basically the respect was lost overnight. So people, he said, people immediately thought less of me. Uh, I think it maybe it because of been, I was living in somewhere rural, whereas... If you were in London, they would have been more accepting. Um, people weren't okay with it. Uh, it made them feel very uncomfortable. The appearance only got better um, when they actually like, moved to uh, London full-time and started playing for the local team. Um, their uni experience was very negative because they found that a lot of the guys there had that very laddie culture, uh, you know, stereotypical laddie culture. There's a lot of references to gays and fags all the time, often 
uh, masquerade in a jokey way. Um, so I guess the points are, how have you had anyone who's had that kind of experience? And, um, do you think that you're living somewhere rural as opposed to a big city? Do they help different those experience, experiences be? So it's a lot there. Yeah. To take I it, think that's but. a really good, uh, really good question, a really good uh, feedback from the conversation we had last week. Because um, I think it goes to a wider piece around kind of obviously we live in London. Um, we've got a particular experience whilst uh, when you go outside of the London bubble, bubble um, the experiences of LGBT people are, are vastly, vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually played, I played, I played football in, in Cornwall in UK for um, a team who really, really good standard. Um as, as far as I know, they, they knew I was gay. Um, but again, they, they treated me incredibly well. But when I look back on it now and I, I kind of unpick what that experience was like, did they ever ask me about my partner? No. Did they ever celebrate the fact that I was gay or, or talk to me about that? No, they didn't. Um, so whilst they didn't treat me differently to anyone else and they weren't homophobic to me, they weren't I actively embracing the fact that I was gay either. So I think that's that's a really, really interesting insight from that. In that in that question yeah i mean i i grew up in a, a small town and i think i you know i wasn't um comfortable i mean i, I think partly age-wise um but also i wasn't i didn't feel comfortable enough to come out when i was younger and i was living in that town and, and it's a nice town but it's quite rural and you know there are some um lgbt people in in the town but everyone knows who they are and it's kind of it's a much different mindset to being in such an accepting city like london um, and I don't, I imagine my experience would have been very different if I continued to live there and in, into the sort of my 20s and 30s. So, yeah, I, I fully can sort of kind of relate to that. It must be, you know, really difficult being in a, maybe in a sort of more rural town where you have, people have less exposure to, to the LGBT community, so therefore might be less accepting or at least maybe a bit more unaware. Mm. I mean, I think my like, opinion is it's probably easier younger people now but that could be completely wrong because not in that uh, bubble or whatever i mean my experiences were pretty negative but um i think that was more to do with not the location but the kind of the lad culture stereotypes and you know the atmosphere you know being at uni on a sports campus is pretty uh a lot of masculinity and you know i must be like super macho vibes and things like that whereas i suppose Depends on your relationships with those people mm-hmm. or the team that you're in. Um, I don't know. What about you, Mine. Uh, like similar with Ollie, like coming from a small town, if you were like out, you'd, you'd be known on like a list of the gays in town. So it's very much like, you know, like remember um, Little Britain yeah. with Daffy, the only gay in the village? Um, like I could probably relate to him because if I came out, I'd feel like that, but I wouldn't be like how he was on the show. But yeah, it's just like, um, yeah, you, just uncomfortable to come out at that time, and partly because of age. So yeah, for me, I I relate with. What do you when you go back home now? Because I always find it a bit awkward in in the sense that my friends from home, as in my immediate friends, know. But you know, I know a lot of you, when you go back to a small town, you kind of know a lot of people without them being your direct in your direct friendship mm. group. And sometimes I find that difficult. Do you do you find that? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to go out out with them. Like my immediate friends, yeah, I'm happy to go around do poker night or scrabble of some sort and have some drinks. But I wouldn't want to go out with their friends because I just I don't think they'd all take it 
too well. And like, I mean, I could speak to yeah. them maybe, but I just don't want to speak to them. Yeah, I mean, you want that kind of simplicity of not having to have like a massive yeah, educational exactly. piece yeah. every time you go out. It's pretty much it. Yeah. Some of the people I hung around with growing up, um, yeah, some of them were like borderline roadmen. So <laughs> I know exactly how uh, that conversation would go. Um, some of the people at school, uh, some were very negative, some were like, yeah, whatever, which I think was kind of like a turning point because I think anyone around my age or particularly younger, I think everyone's experiences and mindset's changing a lot. I think it's definitely more positive now because there's so much uh, visibility uh, LGBT athletes. Uh, there's not just the, if you don't feel that you relate to a certain stereotype, which is, you know, people that have been kind of flamboyant have paved the way for us because yeah. they've not been afraid to be themselves. You know, they push, that, they push the door, then, then you start to see other types of um, LGBT people which you can maybe relate to, which might be a bit more sports orientated. And there's, you know, there's never any of that when I was up. So yeah. I think it's positive, definitely. Cool, good question. Uh, what what we got next? Um, before we, so before we move got, on, uh, uh, just on that topic, really, can we do a massive shout out to, yeah. I don't know if you guys heard of uh, Ethan Akani, yeah. who recently came out over the last couple of days. Um, yeah. And Sky Sports shared his story. Um, and he's like, uh, I think he's like 21 or 20, um, but he won, he runs the 60 meter hurdles. Um, uh, British athlete, uh, I think it's a British university, 60 meter hurdle champion. Um, and yeah, like he came out this week, so I think massive shout out to him yeah. for being brave. Um, and I think his story, I think you could read his story at Sky Sports, um, really empowering story. So shout out to him and coming out and being his authentic self. Yeah. Okay, yeah. nice one. Definitely. Um, I think I saw that on um, Sports Media LGBT, um, which is kind of my, my go-to now because I think they just cover literally everything globally. Um, I'm not just saying that because they do promote the podcast. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it was a good piece. Yeah, no, it's refreshing as well, especially when someone's that young. Like, yeah, that's myself. Nice. Um, next one. Does size matter? Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> 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 emojis, Ollie. <laughs> oh, difficult. <laughs> Ollie, let's go to you. Does size matter? I don't know. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> you know, had experiences with people with variety of to be careful in case my family listen to this but um <laughs> um yeah everyone's different and i think you know having a connection with someone is the most important thing to having enjoyable lovemaking that's nice that is diplomatic with one eye uh, on the earlier conversation we had about the lgbt community and uh body image i'm gonna have a diplomatic answer too but also, well, obviously, having that connection and, and what you do with it is incredibly important. Um, but sometimes big ones are just really interesting, right? It's just really cool. <laughs> Very it's just interesting. Like, <laughs> well, look at the size of it. That's what's <laughs> You're both right. Like, it is, it's, you know, what somebody has, but it's the person behind. Uh, <laughs> definitely behind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a good question like, size <laughs> matter. Um, it, it depends on the person it's a lot more yeah. than just a penis so um, yeah I'll be a bit more crude I think yeah it doesn't matter if someone's got a massive cock or it's 10 inches or whatever uh, because the sex could be or the lovemaking could be 
awful, right? If it, if it mm-hmm. was like 10 inches and could, could be completely unenjoyable. Whereas I think as long as you've got a connection with someone, you know, and you 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 have that connection in, in the bedroom, it doesn't matter really, does it? I mean, I do also echo Jay's point that, you know, if there is something big, then you can you might look at that and think, okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think first and foremost, yeah, you've got to have a connection with someone. Um, yeah. And in the same breath, if someone's got like a massive one, they're incredibly, like if they're super aggressive, they don't know how to be attentive or they're quite selfish, then that's going to cause a whole lot of problems, really. Yeah. So, you, yeah. Uh, Definitely. Um, so these are kind of broad. Uh, are open relationships dangerous? Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think they're dangerous, but I mean, I couldn't, I personally, I'm too, I think I'd get too jealous. Like, I've, I'm in a relationship now and very happy. And I mean, I, like, I'd just be like, I just, yeah, I couldn't deal with that, to be honest. I think it, it takes a certain type of person to be, or certain type of people to be happy with that and each to their own. But for me, yeah, I'm, I think I'd get too jealous. Yeah, yeah. The phrasing of the question, dangerous, is um, mm. <laughs> a bit, bit strange. It's, um, it's, challenging if like that's what you want to do but if that's what yeah. you want to do then you're going to make it work but um yeah like i'll for me <laughs> jealous wouldn't want it. Yeah. uh it, it's a no for me because i would be incredibly jealous and i think <laughs> it would bring out all the worst qualities that i have um but i mean i'm not going to knock it because for some people they've got the right boundaries the right level of trust it actually works for them and it's done in the way that may be beneficial to that particular relationship um i think i also hate the fact that people tend to think that it's just uh, an lgbt thing whereas i think um heterosexual people are probably more uh, secretive about that kind of aspect um but yeah i think yeah i think i'd just be mega jealous but you know I've, we obviously know people that are in them and it works and you know fair play but, um for me yeah i think oh god another question Uh, another question so (laughs) Ollie it's probably definitely one for you can one contract COVID-19 giving or receiving oral sex well as mentioned in the last episode I think there is limited um, clinical trials into how COVID is transmitted um, sexually Um, but I imagine if someone is having oral sex with someone that they've probably kissed before they did. Um, and then I think if they've got COVID and you're kissing, then you're pretty certain you're going to get it. Um, but I mean, if you just went strictly for oral sex, I mean, my, I mean there's a possibility you might get away with it. But yeah. Mm. <laughs> hey, I'm big just imagine like what those <laughs> clinical trials will look like. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's needed for the blowjob. Uh, <laughs> going to the government <laughs> briefing and just pronouncing those, uh, announcing those results. <laughs> Imagine the volunteers. Like. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? So this one doesn't really have any context, but what does one do if their oh husband's boyfriend is a vile oh, snake? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what does one do if their housemate's boyfriend? Is yeah. So is I was a snake. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know it's coming from. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel I need a response to that. I'll have I'll have words. <laughs> I don't think that one was that anonymous when it was submitted. <laughs> That's a shady, shady question, and we like that. Thank you, uh, but we won't we won't name names. Um, so two more. Um, do you think it'd be a good thing for the world if Donald Trump dies of coronavirus? Yeah, the moral compass. Oh God! <laughs> um, ultimately, I'm never going to wish death upon anybody, but uh, sometimes death isn't the answer. So, if, if if there's no Donald Trump, then who's next up in line? Mike Pence, who probably isn't um, isn't Gandhi himself, although Gandhi was actually not quite problematic as a historical figure. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't wish death on anyone, but I'm not going to shed a tear either. Either. Nice. Yeah. Same. I wouldn't. You don't want to wish death on anyone. I think I, I definitely believe in karma, so I wouldn't want that coming back on me. Um, if he wasn't present, I think it'd probably be beneficial. But you know, personal opinion. Right. Let's leave that one down to karma. Let's see what happens there. <laughs> Last one. Last and, question. Um, anyone jump in as you feel. So a quick one based on the last podcast you guys did. Why do some people in our world, particularly gay men, say she when referring to a gay man? Personally, I find it confusing, but more importantly, I don't think it would be appreciated by the wider LGBTQIA world. I think that calling a gay man she reinforces what a lot of the straight world thinks of gay. Do you think this is something that we shouldn't be doing, or is it okay in certain social groups or behind closed doors? I think this is a really good question. Um, uh, I think the initial the initial point of it was is why do we do it? I think it, from my understanding of it, it stems from um, the kind of the fact that gay men historically um, have tried to embrace femininity, uh, and obviously gay men uh, embracing sort of uh, vulnerability and affection towards shared identity, particularly when you think about some of the experiences of homophobia and how it ties into sexism, misogyny. Um, from my understanding, that's how it all started, and this gay men trying to embrace femininity and and show a vulnerable side and, and kind of reclaiming um, elements that kind of been used against them. Um, so that's my understanding of the historical context. Please, um, if anybody's listening to this, uh, has any other um, theories or, or, or thinks I'm wrong, um, let me know. Um, but that's my understanding of it. Um, do I think it's problematic sometimes? It could possibly be problematic sometimes if you think about um, if uh, it could confuse, obviously, some people. But uh, ultimately, I, I believe it's a good thing because um, I'm always uh, for um, anti-patriarchy and destroying uh, gender binaries and using pronouns um well, kind of destroying gender pronouns when necessary, um, but also in the addition that we understand that pronouns are important, and if there are, um, we need to understand that part of our uh, the LGBT community, people rely heavily on pronouns to to be seen and and they're fought um, to for now, so that they could be heard and validated for their pronouns. So I think in some spaces, um, it's really important that we respect that and we we're careful we na- how we navigate using. Or playing around with pronoun fuckery, um, but also, um, yeah, I think it's, it's it's mindful that there are some spaces where we can mess around with uh, gender binaries and uh, pronouns and um, 
effectively just anti-establishment general language. And... I agree with all of that, Joe. Um, I, I I think it's good in like your social circles. If you feel comfortable to do it between friends, that's great. It's problematic when it comes to calling someone you aren't close with she and they take an offence with it. And um, I think part of the question was to do um, about trans as well. So I, I'd never do do that to a trans person because that could be um, disrespectful. When you want to disrespectful. You wanna... uh, but if you were friends with them, um, of course, like you know, yeah. If, have a chat about it see how they how they respond to it so it's all about being comfortable with the people that you're around and i only first come around it when i come down to london and was introduced to all of you guys and i just heard it and it made me laugh and then i kept doing it and then it was funny so yeah i'm just at work that i i mean i'm guilty of of calling my friend she um and i think i tried to do it in sort of an innocent manner but i i do really understand the uh, how important pronouns are for the trans uh, the trans community and i've seen patients at, at work um you know i i can see how much it means to them and how important it is to them um so you know if on previous episodes when we've said she or i've said she if it's offended anyone i do apologize it wasn't uh yeah meant to be in any bad taste i think that's very yeah. articulate descriptions from everyone um, I mean, personally, I think I've only said it a few times, but um, yeah, I, I think I'll try to educate myself as much as possible on pronoun usage as well, because um, it's not, I don't think it's, a lot of people don't really know about it yet, or can tend to uh, kind of be a bit jovial in terms of their approach to, oh, you know, like Sam Smith is now called, uh, well, now goes by they or them, um, and you see what like, the kind of disrespect that comes from that, online particularly. Um, but yeah, I would always be respectful of someone's pronouns. And going back to what you were saying, Jay, um, I think it was to be something different from the norm, you know, going against the patriarchy, um, kind of a bit of rebellion there. And embracing femininity. Like, I think as people grow, certainly myself, you mm-hmm. realise that you can be whatever you want to be, you know, express yourself how you want to be. Yeah. Um, yeah on that one, ultimately, context matters, right? Language in certain contexts. Uh, could mean different things. So if you think about the term queer and how in different contexts or for different people, mm-hmm. some LGBT people might find that term offensive, whereas a lot of younger LGBT people feel that that identifies they more comfortably identify with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody, if a random 16-year-old kid ran up to someone and called them a fucking queer, then obviously that's the wrong context. And yeah. Language in any situation just depends on context and I think yeah, it's it's completely fine um, when you're with your mates to 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 use or mess around with gender pronouns. Um, but yeah, in certain contexts, it's you've got to be mindful that it could be offensive. Thanks, girls. Um, that was a really good one. So yeah, no, that was a uh, that was good. Yeah, just to throw out there, if anyone wants to um, submit a question, um, the address is it's curiouscat.me slash actually yeah curiouscat.me slash fresh tea hum social staying fresh tea hum on instagram and twitter um we're actually getting quite a lot of engagement on the dm good stuff has come through um ollie seems to be a target of for various reasons so (laughs) 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 Uh, that's it yeah thanks guys take care see you guys Bye. Bye.